Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Tuesday, everyone, and welcome into the Gramlich and McLean podcast brought to you by Duke's Mayo. It is time to continue our ACC under review series. Mac, I've been really excited about our first four episodes, and you guys have uh, listened to them in, in big numbers. So we are very appreciative of that. And if you missed any of those episodes, go to Apple Podcasts, rate, review, follow, check out those episodes. This episode, Mac, this week, we are going to talk about the U. It's all about the U. <laughs> Come on, KG. I'm excited to talk about the Hurricanes. This was a really, really fun episode just to, to dive into it. And uh, you'll see, well, we'll talk about who we're diving into in a second with, with but uh, just a lot to talk about Miami. Number one, the season, the way it finished was fantastic. Uh, the way it ended was a little crazy with some coaching changes. We jump into all of that. We will also hit Virginia later in this week. Um, but we've got some really fun news. The Senior Bowl is coming up. And guys, Kelly, our producer, Richmond Weaver, and myself will be down in Mobile. Super excited. We're going to bring you guys unbelievable content. Six straight days, guys. We've never done this before. Six straight days of content with podcasts, fun social media things. Uh, we're going to try to do some of these reels that KG has been killing on Instagram uh, and maybe some live segments. We might do some Instagram lives, some Twitter spaces, just fun things to get you guys involved. So if you like the NFL or if you just want to follow your guys, we have 10 ACC guys participating and we're going to have wall-to-wall coverage. So super excited about that. We will have more kind of information as we go and we get closer. But KG, it's going to be a ton of fun. It is. I can't wait to get down to Mobile, Alabama, and hang out with uh, a lot of awesome people, get some interviews. It's going to be a great time. I've never been to the Senior Bowl. Mac, have you ever been in person? I've never been in person. So this is going to be a first for, okay. for so all of us. this is our first time. That's yeah. right. You bring up Instagram, and you guys can follow us on Instagram, at Kelly Gramlich, at Eric McLean. I've been trying to do more reels. It's so funny because every time I do a reel, Mac, I feel like such a boomer. I'm sitting there. They're pretty easy, but I'm sitting there and I'm like, how do I do this? And I'm having to Google stuff. It's really embarrassing. So the final product that you see, just know it's been a painstaking process for me, the millennial boomer, to figure out how to make these reels. But we're, we're, we're good. We're feeling better. And we'll get a lot of great content at the Senior Bowl. That's right. Cannot wait. It's going to be a ton of fun. But before we jump into this episode, we want to tell you guys about our great partner, Duke's Mayo. Duke's has that twang, that little Southern something that elevates food from good to downright ridiculous. Over the past 100 years, Duke's has continued to cultivate and celebrate its commitment to family recipes and bold Southern flavors. In addition to the flagship mayonnaise, which is still made according to Miss Eugenia Duke's original recipe in Greenville, South Carolina, Duke's offers flavored mayonnaises, regionally inspired Duke's Southern sauces, and KG's personal favorite, the mustards. That's right, Mac. Duke's has officially launched their official mustard line. I am a huge mustard person. And here are some of the flavors you can check out. In, where, uh, in your local store, wherever you grab your Dukes, or on dukesmayo.com, Duke's Spicy Ground Mustard, the OG. How about Duke's Brown Sugar Bourbon Mustard? 
Okay. The smoky chipotle mustard, that is my personal favorite. Duke's horseradish mustard as well. So those are their four signature mustards that uh, they have officially started promoting and marketing on dukesmayo.com. You guys can check those out. And we always say all you need is the bread and some Dukes for a sandwich. (laughs) Add a little mustard. You will not regret it. Head to dukesmayo.com. Embrace the new flavors with that same twang. All right, Mac, it's time to get to our Dukes Mayo guest, Manny Navarro. This episode, we're breaking down the 2021 Miami football season that finished with a hot streak, great quarterback play, coaching changes, and more. And Manny Navarro from The Athletic is here to help us break it down. Come on, KG. Manny has been covering the Hurricanes since 1995. It's safe to say he knows a thing or two because he's seen a thing or two. We're not sponsored by those guys, but I thought it was funny to say. Manny does such a great job, as KG mentioned, for The Athletic. You can check him out at Manny underscore Navarro on Twitter for more of his work. We really enjoyed this conversation so much to break down. Let's get to the interview. Manny, welcome into the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. A lot to be excited about and a lot to discuss about these Miami Hurricanes. Yeah, I mean, so much has changed here in the last month, and uh, Miami fans uh, were feeling good about the, the way the second half went, and uh, now they got a new coach. They've got their great quarterback coming back, and uh, so 22 is, I mean, there's just a lot of excitement about what's uh, what's around the corner. And that's exactly where I wanted to start. When, when we look big picture of this 21 season, the Hurricanes start 2-4. and four. The sky's falling. I mean, we thought... This team's going to fall to pieces. Maybe there's a way they sneak out two wins. I'm looking at the schedule. Duke, I was like, yeah, I think they get that one. Georgia Tech, that's probably the only other for sure win. But they finished 5-1. and one. They finished the season as one of the hottest teams in the ACC, maybe the country. Uh, th- this team just showed they had unbelievable grit and were able to finish really strong. Yeah, and, and I think all of that was predicated on Tyler Van Dyke just becoming who he became those last six games, uh, throwing for over 300 yards and three touchdowns in every single one of those games. Uh, look, everybody knew the influence uh, Derek King had when he arrived at Miami, and uh, it was immediately felt uh, during the 2020 season. Miami got off to a great start. Uh, they lost to Clemson, still kept winning, finished the season 8-3, and three, and you know everybody thought going into 21 – Hey, this team's this team's good. They're gonna they're gonna be a contender to win the coastal, and they rank 14th in the preseason. And then, you know, you get to this point where Derek's hurt, and and as you said, the sky's falling. And then comes this Tyler Van Dyke kid, right? That everybody's just kind of like, well, he's got a strong arm. We'll see what he's got. And those first two games uh, after Derek's hurt, um, you just you think to yourself, man, like you could see he's nervous. You could see this is just not going well. Then he plays well in the second half of both of those losses, Virginia and North Carolina, and you're like, man, there's maybe there's hope. And then you get to NC State and Pitt, and in the NC State week, you're just like, where did this kid come from all of a sudden, right? Like, what's he talking about? We're gonna we're gonna beat NC State? Like, he's turned into Broadway Joe from back to back losses. All of a sudden, now he's predicting he's gonna beat teams, and uh, he goes out and he backs it up, and and that was it. I mean, that five and one finish, um, and and Tyler, you know. He's the kind of kid who doesn't talk, which is why it was so surprising. He's such a quiet kid, and and all of a sudden, you know, he becomes this 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 leader for Miami. And and again, it, it was just hey, if you got a quarterback at Miami, you got a chance to win a lot of games. And Miami has a quarterback again. 
They do. And I think that's where all this excitement comes from. And and we'll we'll really get back into diving into 21, but just with TVD for a second. Look, the hype train is rolling and there are very few places where the hype train can, you know, go full speed than Miami. And, and we know that. So what do you expect? I, I feel like sophomore year, we saw it with DJ Uyunglele. That's a perfect example, even though TVD had a bigger uh, sample size, of course. You expect a lot of pressure with new coaching staff. Do you have any idea, any sort of prediction of what TVD is going to look like? Do you, do you feel confident he can pick up where he left off? Absolutely. Um, you know, the reason why... Tyler Van Dyke isn't the kind of kid who lets any of this attention get to him. I, t- I spoke to him on Sunday uh, as he I was flying back into Miami from his hometown, Connecticut, uh, for his, you know, his, his holiday break. And the first thing out of his mouth was, man, I can't wait to get to these workouts. Like, he, he, he really enjoys the, the off-season grind. It's not just film studies, not just throwing the ball. And he thinks of himself as a grinder. Like, he thinks of himself as, I've got to get better and he's got the kind of attitude you want at that position. He's not going to just settle in. All of a sudden, everybody loves him. Everybody thinks he's great. That None of that matters to him. He, what, what matters to him is getting better and being the kind of leader that he needs to be for his teammates. And it's not just, you know, a guy who's saying the right things. Like, he honestly means it. And, you, and, and everything that Manny Diaz, when he was coaching him, you know, said about Tyler was he's the guy who comes in here and sees himself equal to everybody else on the team. And, and sometimes quarterbacks... Let's face it, Eric. You play with some guys, right? I mean, sometimes guys get into that position. Well, I'm the quarterback. I don't need to. I don't need to go out there and do what these these linemen and everybody else are doing. He has followed Derek King's example, and I think you know today they're starting their their, their off season regimen, and he's right there in the middle with them. I, I think he is going to continue to be that same guy that we saw over the last six games because mentally, I think he's still that same guy. And I think that's what it takes, right, is is when you want to be great, when your team wants to be great, that that position is so key. I mean, it's the most difficult position in all of football, and he made it look easy to finish the season. He really did. And I have to give a lot of credit you know, to that coaching staff, to Rhett Lashley, in opening up the offense because I think that's – you talk about his nervousness. I think maybe even the coaching staff calling such you know vanilla plays and then – Okay, Virginia, let's open it up. Let's see what he can do. Let's let it rip. And that's exactly what they were able to do. And and Van Dyke flourished. He he truly did. I mean, 20 touchdowns, three picks to end the season. I mean, nuts. That the the hype train is is going to be crazy. Um, going into 22, Manny, I just want to ask you right here, January 18th, when we're recording this, <laughs> is he a top five quarterback in the ACC? I mean, th- this league is loaded. I mean, the the there's no better quarterback play in the entire country. Is he top five in this conference? I, I think so, without question. I, I just think w- when you've got the kind of arm strength that he does and the accuracy that he does, I mean, there there were games he's completing 75% of his attempts, and, and you know, there were even drops. There were games where he right. could have been even higher. Right. It could have been the 80s. And you say to yourself, man, this guy just has it, right? And he's not afraid to stand in there and get hit. He's not afraid to deliver the ball. And he's got a little wiggle to him. When he, when he wants to take off and run – it's not like he's just a you know a guy standing back there in the pocket and, and he needs everybody to block for him. He can even make throws on the run. Um, I, yes, I think without question, Tyler Van Dyke is top five in the ACC, and I and I, I would venture to say that at this time next year we could be talking about the Player of the Year in the conference. Come on, that's that's what I like to hear. That's the energy. <laughs> Let me tell you, Jordan Cornette is all over with you. He is preaching it, singing it from the mountaintops, saying this is the guy. This is number one. Uh, it's going to be fascinating to see that there is so much great quarterback 
play in this league when uh when we have to come out with those rankings it's going to be really interesting to see where do i put van dyke because i'm with you he has all the tools he has all the intangibles and the things that that you need to be great so let's look at the best the rest of that backfield though because when you look at the running back position going into this season i mean there were huge hopes there were huge expectations not hopes of this three-headed monster between cameron harris uh jalen knight and don cheney I mean, Cheney gets hurt week two, I believe it was. Uh, Cam- Cameron gets hurt right when the season starts kind of turning around, ironically enough, and then Knighton, you know, suspended the first four games. What What's really just your your thoughts on that unit? Because I think Knighton did kind of step up once he got back and really emerged and showed that, hey, you know, I can be the guy, I can be the bell cow, and, you know, they, they have some pieces coming back in 22. Obviously, you know, going into the season, you felt, like you said, three-headed monster, um, and then right off the bat, Jalen suspended. And, and, and I think that really affected them uh, as far as game planning and the way that they wanted to sort of run their offense early in the season, having to be without him because he is such a diverse weapon in the passing game. Um, and then Chaney, uh, you know, I, I viewed him as the number one guy. I thought even with Cameron Harris, the veteran coming back, I thought the best guy on this team is Chaney. And he gets hurt, as you mentioned, second game of the year. So I, I, I think, you know, you look at the final numbers, Miami finished last in the ACC in, in, in yards per carry. I, they're not going to do that in 22. Like Mario Cristobal, the way he runs the football, the commitment that he has to the running game, they are not going to be last in the ACC in rushing. In fact, he's going to stick with it. And people are afraid. You know, some people have said, hey, he had Justin Herbert at Oregon, right? How he didn't exactly thrive statistically. He didn't put up huge, ridiculous numbers at Oregon. Is he going to limit Tyler Van Dyke? Well, no, I don't think that's going to happen. But I certainly think Miami's going to be much more committed to the running game and making sure they're a running team. And, you know, you talk about uh, Jalen Knighton. I think, you know, he's going to have the opportunity to be the number one guy. I think Cheney's definitely going to come back, be somebody strong in the running game. And then they go out and they add this kid, Henry Parrish, um, from Ole Miss, who is just like Jalen Knighton. You watch him play, very similar. So they've got three guys in my mind that 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 are number one backs, that can be number one backs for a lot of teams. Um, so there's the depth. question is, how do you get those guys in the rhythm, right? How do you get them flowing so that in the fourth quarter you're not getting stuff and needing Tyler Van Dyke to win every game for you? You can run, you can win with the running game. So it'll be interesting to see how it develops. But I, they will not be – the worst rushing team in the ACC <laughs> next year. If they are, Mario Cristobal and Alex Mirabal may do some crazy things. Well, Mirabal said he would. <laughs> what did he? He would cut off his arms and legs. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I, look, I'm just rooting for Miami to be able to run the ball because I don't want a man to lose his arms and legs. I mean, that's terrifying. <laughs> that's so right. let's all hope. That's right. Let's all hope. Well, you know, you bring up the running game, Manny, and it's a great point because we saw Pittsburgh flourish when they were able to run the ball just a little bit. I mean, you're not asking for something crazy but able to run the ball a little bit. And then last year with North Carolina, when they couldn't run the ball, really hurt Howell. So we know how important that will be for uh, for TBD. Let's talk about this wide receiver group. We, we've seen as well, I mean, I hate to bring up DJ, but sophomore year, wide receivers don't step up, injuries all over the place, and it hurts them. I know Rambo was a huge part of what Miami did this year. They're going to miss him. So how would you grade this wide receiver group in 2021, and what should we look for in 22? Man, if you watch the end of the season, uh, when, when guys like uh, Romello, Bince, uh, Brinson, and Jacoby George were getting on the field, especially the Duke game where Jacoby George, he had a stretch where he caught, I think, three passes in a row for 80 yards. You were just, you're, you know, Miami fans' jaws were dropping. They're just like, man, who this kid is going to be good. So I think 
you know, when you look at Bashard Smith, he had a 75-yard touchdown catch. This is the explosiveness against uh, Virginia Tech late in the year. Um, those the, the three amigos, as they call them, uh, there, there is a lot of excitement and hope for those three guys. But as you mentioned, it's tough, right? You come back. Now you're not the compliment to Rambo and Harley. You're the man, right? People are looking at you to, to deliver. Um, Keyshawn Smith started uh, every game, but there are games he disappeared where he wasn't involved in the passing game at all. So now somebody's got to replace Mike Harley. Somebody's uh, got to replace Charleston Rambo, and they got to do it every week. It can't be like, hey, we're, we're showing up this week and not next week. TVD needs those guys. And I would venture to say, because just because tight end position is used so much at Miami, I know I may be skipping ahead in subjects, but uh, tight end, Will Mallory, terrible first half last year, such high expectations. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, he figures out how to be involved again, right? He, he, he starts catching the ball again. They need that Will Mallory full, full season. I think Will Mallory, uh, Elijah Roy are the two tight ends that, that were, were, were featured last year. Both of those guys need to bring the tight end position back to where it was at Miami under Brevin Jordan and some of the other guys that have come through here and made it to the NFL. I don't think there's any question about that. And I'm really excited that, you know, Will decided to come back, you know, because I just think that there's this, there's been this expectation. There's been this, um, you know, we got to get him there. Can we get him there? And, and there, you've seen flashes and then you've seen drop touchdowns, missed blocks, and then, you know, getting back and, and, you know, doing the things that we expect to see from Will Mallory. So really expect to see him there. T- talk to me about this, Manny. I- I'm really thinking that it's going to be Smith, Restrepo, Mallory, maybe Frank Ladson. If he can turn it on, transfer from right. Clemson, maybe that's your four, and then those three amigos can kind of be that, you know, still that support role, still growing, not have to be right away. Or, you know, you co- following them much more closely, do you think they're going to be taking some time and say, no, no, no we're ready now? No, I, I think without question, there there will be a big competition this spring to see who's ready to take over. And that, listen, like I said, Keyshawn started with Harley um, and Rambo the whole season. But, you know, consistency, man. These coaches, they want the best guys out there. And if Romello Brinson or Jacoby George are ready to take over one of those spots, they're not going to hesitate. Like, those guys have uh, just a different caliber of talent. And, 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 look, they brought in Ladson for a reason. He's a hometown guy, A. He's super talented. Just had his issues at, at Clemson. Injuries, uh, struggles with drops. Um, they hope that they can make him better. But I, I think – in all honesty, I look at this team and I say, man, they, they're probably six or seven deep at that position. But we know injuries. All of a sudden, now you're counting right. on Rashard Smith to yeah. deliver every week or you're counting on Jacoby. Every- so they need that depth. Um, and I think they've got it. It's just a matter of what order does it all finish in. And Restrepo, without a doubt, I think he's going to be a solid uh, slot receiver. I think he's number one in that regard. But uh We'll see what happens on the outside. It'll be interesting competition. Anytime that you can have uh, that type of competition, that level of excitement, it's only going to breed greatness. And, and as you mentioned, seven deep. I mean, that that's where you want, okay, I need three or four to emerge, and then we still have you know three or maybe four other guys that can can compete and really get some good playing time. The the excitement is, is unbelievable. We've said that a hundred times. The, the excitement about this offense in particular, I think, is going to be next level where Miami might somehow creep into the top 10 preseason. That's where I'm thinking that they're going to be. What is the snapshot, Manny? What When you look at this, what Mario Cristobal and the staff have done, what Miami has on, on the roster, what is the perfect offense? What is the perfect snapshot looking like in 22? Is it a balance? Is it 50-50? Is that what they want to be? Or understanding, hey, we have one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Maybe it's 70-30, 60-40. What, what, is, what does that kind of look like in your mind 
with the, the, the just you being on the ground so much there in Miami? Yeah, I, I think the perfect balance is 50-50. It, it's, it's having Tyler be explosive early in games and then, you're, and then you're salting away wins with the running game. I think that is, that is what they want to do and that's who they want to be. Um, ultimately, uh, the offensive line play, man, like there's going to be some guys – uh, that are going to have to step up because obviously, I mean, it's not just the, the running backs. <laughs> you need you need some blocking up there. You need some guys to make holes consistently. And I thought the line play last year for Miami was much improved. We, we've seen this group progress from that opening game against Florida in the Manny Diaz era Ooh. where they gave up the 10 sacks. <laughs> and and all of a sudden, you know, you get Derek King in. He's, he's more elusive. Um, you know, they still gave up a few sacks last year, but I, I thought they improved. It's just a matter of consistency with that group. Manny, I feel like, you know, there are many rules in college football, but the main thing for a head coach is your team cannot be bad at the thing you are known for. And I think that's what hurt Manny Diaz down the stretch defensively. And this is a team on game day. They did a whole segment about the Miami guy tackled his own player. And and you've got the the tackling issues (laughs) at Miami. That was just kind of the, the main narrative there. And so, Ultimately, and there are a variety of things you know better than me of of what led to Manny's downfall. But overall, I feel like defense last year became kind of an embarrassing point for Miami. And they did improve throughout the season. Tackling is a big point of emphasis. What do you expect from this defense? Can we expect a better defense in 22? So hard to say because we sit here today. We still don't know who the defensive coordinator is, right? Uh, Mario's taking his his time with the hire. Um, I, I think... We're going to see a defense in terms of where the talent is. You're going to see it get better. Um, Leonard Taylor, five-star recruit up front. You look at him, and, and you led the team in tackles for loss, and he barely played. He played 200 snaps the whole season. He was a backup all year. He's going to be a starter this year in my mind. He's going to be a guy who every game you're going in there, and, and, and the opposing offensive coordinator is thinking, thinking to himself, how am I going to handle this guy for four quarters? Um, I, I think – you know, they're, they're looking for help as far as pass rushers. They're looking to, to improve Jafari Harvey. Um, you know, he, he two and a half sacks last year. Chance Williams, two and a half sacks last year. Two guys that you, you had a lot of hope for, but they still look like sophomores. It all starts with the pass rush and, and, and being able to put pressure on quarterbacks. You're not getting picked apart in the secondary. And then, you know, you talk about just tackling, right? That became such an issue. James Williams and Cameron Kitchens, I thought, really helped that scenario at yes, the safety position. Yes. When they when they started playing, you just saw the upgrade in 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 tackling, especially the open field. Cameron Kitchens was such a revelation. Both those guys are freshmen. They're gonna be better in the, as far as tackling in my mind. They're, those guys are gonna help solidify that. Avante Williams came back. Avante Williams, super talented. He's gonna be that third safety guy who who's gonna have an opportunity to play in the defensive backfield. So. I look at the defense and I say, um, they're going to be better. I just don't know how much better. And I think the pass rush is going to have a lot to do with that. If they can, if they can find a guy like a Jalen Phillips, like a Gregory Rousseau, or, or, or have one of those guys sort of emerge. Hey, good luck with okay? that, by the way. Good luck. <laughs> and yes. But, but if they, if they like, but they've got guys that can become that. Sure. If, 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 if that happens and this defense goes back to being one of the better defenses in the ACC. But it starts with the pass rush for me. I completely agree with you. And, and you look at you know recent success, and, okay, when, when Miami is balling, they have that guy. They When you know, okay, game's on the line, this guy's going to make a play. He's going to go after it. He's going to help us win. When I look at you, – you mentioned James Williams. When I look at his play, I mean, a rangy guy, an extinctual guy, a guy that will knock your head off. He's not afraid of contact at all. 
Well, what is the perfect position for him now that you've kind of seen a, a full year? Can Miami put him in a Isaiah Simmons type role that you saw from Clemson? Can they have him come off the edge, be a, a third safety, be at the linebacker area? I mean, what, what is perfect for him? And I know we don't have a defensive coordinator, so really we have no clue on how to predict what his role is going to be. But just from what you've seen for a full year now, wh- where do you think he will be most comfortable? Yeah, I, I look – you, you go back and you watch James Williams at the high school level when he was winning state championships and leading his team far in the playoffs. This is a guy who played in the box a ton. Okay, coaches were smart. Hey, no, I got to put this guy near the line of scrimmage because not only can he get to the quarterback uh, and, and, and play that Isaiah Simmons type role, but, I mean, he's just special. That link, the ability to just grab guys, uh, yank them down, like th- that's a rare gift in terms of uh, how big he is, being 6'5 and everything else. I think he has to be in the box more. He has to be. That's what his gift is. Um, you know, I, at safety, there were times he was taking bad angles on plays. Um, you know, in the passing game, he still looked like a freshman at times. Um, I think putting him in the box in a in a striker-type role is where you maximize his talent and ability. And, you know, James loves playing the safety position. I'm not saying – I said this last night on, on, on this Twitter space with all these crazy Canes fans – to me, James safe, uh, James Williams is an NFL safety. Um, I think he's a first-round pick in the box. Wow. That's the way I wow. differentiate it. I think he is a draft pick. He's an NFL safety. I think he's a first-round pick, a, a Pro Bowl-type talent in the box. And, and that just goes to show how the game is changing. It goes to show that mm-hmm. you can be a chess piece. You, you can be a weapon and, and move around. And I completely agree with you. And I think you talk about those angles you talk about in the past game like that that there's a learning curve with that because for 4 years of high school he was the biggest fastest strongest and he could do whatever he wanted and, and succeed at this level and when you get to the next level for sure the window and error of, of margin a margin of error is so slim that you you can't you have to take the perfect angle you have to take the perfect drop and i think that he was learning that and i think by the end of the season we saw a guy that we, we joke about all the time, you're, you're not a freshman anymore. You're, you're a sophomore. You've been through so much. That's what we kind of saw from him and certainly excited to see what that progression, what that evolution will you know really look like going into year two and ultimately his role because we have no clue at this time. Uh, as we're kind of wrapping up here, man, I, we have to talk about the ending of 21 and the coaching change and the way that it happened. If you could just walk us through that, from your perspective, and maybe we ask some questions throughout, but w- w- I mean, when did you know, okay, a change is coming for sure. A change is coming. And then when did you also know that, you know, Mario's who we're going after 110% to be our guy? Yeah. Um, well, you know, I, I sat down with someone in the administration uh, in early November, right after everything with Blake James had sort of, you know, gone on where he comes out and he tells um, a few members of the press that, you know, Mar- uh, that uh, Manny wasn't safe. And uh, so I, I thought, okay, I got to sit down and find out what the real deal is here, right? Like, what are they doing? And I was told, look, we have one guy that we really like, right? It's Mario Cristobal. And if we can bring him home, that's what we want to do. Um, nothing against Manny. We think he's a good coach. We're going to give him the opportunity the rest of the second half of the season to, to show us what he's got. And so I, that was the story in November. And then of course, Lake James gets fired. You know, the search committee that uh, president Frank puts on, they're, they're doing their pursuit behind the scenes, right? They're, they're, they're talking with Mario's agent. They're trying to see, Hey, can this, can this really happen? Um, I didn't know that Mario was going to be coached until 
the day it was announced. <laughs> like, because that's how unsure right. we were. We didn't right. know if Mario wasn't going to come back. Right? He had his reasons. Miami's never spent money as uh, on assistant coaches. They've never invested in the program the way they have under Mario. And we didn't know they were going to do that until they showed us that on December sixth. Like that's what that's the day it happened. Um, and look, it, it obviously a very rough scenario for Manny Diaz. He put his heart and soul to this program for three years. But, you know, I had lunch yesterday with a coach, a college coach, an offensive coordinator. And his, his words to me were, look, man, we all know this is the deal. Like, we all understand you can be replaced at any minute. And Manny Diaz will be fine, right? He's at Penn State. He's going to be defensive coordinator. He's going to have a chance to re, revamp his career. I think publicly, obviously, a lot of people thought, hey, what's the University of Miami doing? You don't, you don't operate like this. But I think internally... Everybody knows, hey, this is just this is the way it is now in college sports. You know, you want to get your guy to be the coach. You got to do some things that maybe uh, don't sit well <laughs> with everybody. Um, and, they, and Miami got their man. They got they got Mario. And look, when, when Mark Rick abruptly stepped down, I mean, I was writing Mario Cristobal stories. I was I was sitting there at the athletic just typing up. Hey, Mario Cristobal is going to be the next coach. That's what I thought was going to happen. Well, you probably did natural. that in 2015 too, right? Like that that should have <laughs> yeah. been should have been then as well probably. Yeah, we 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 all thought, "Hey, this is going to be Mario Cristobal's job one day." And it just got to the point where the administration finally realized, "Hey, you know what? He's the, he's the best guy for this job. He is an unbelievable recruiter. He is going to take us to a different level." And we've seen it in one month. We've seen it in one month. Three top 100 recruits. And, you know, whoever he ends up becoming, you know, whoever ends up becoming coordinator or whatever position coach, there's still a couple of vacancies. I've told fans over and over again, I said, the most important thing happened December 6th. Miami's administration fully committed to spending money on its football program. You're going to be fine. Okay. You bring that up. And, and that's a perfect segue because I remember reading quotes from President Frank about you know, we see ourselves as more of an academic institution. Like he, like three he, months he, ago, like that just happened. Yes. This isn't like a couple <laughs> it years ago. Seem like he was buying into yeah. the the symbiotic relationship between football and academics, like a lot of other schools have. What changed? Kirk Street. Really? So the the public bashing the media, the power of the media. Wow. Yes. Wow. Yes. And and listen, that those those are words that came straight out of some administrators that I was speaking to. Was when Kirk Herbstreit said what he said on game day, it, it it resonated within the walls because now you're bringing the heat to the highest levels of the program. It's not, hey, what's going on, Blake James? You're not doing your job. Hey, Manny Diaz, you're not doing your job. It's hey, Julio Frank, you're not doing your job. And 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 the honest to God story behind the scenes was. You know, he had heat on him for some of the decisions that were going on with with his, you know, schools, co- different, you know, colleges within uh, the the university, and and so he needed some positive press, right? He couldn't have everybody yelling at him because the football team was struggling, and so he's put his two right hand men on the job, and they evaluated and they said, hey, a lot of people telling me that we got the wrong coach, and he listened, and for the first time you had sort of this relationship where the the university president uh, was like, Hey, you know what? We, we do got to make this a bigger priority. We, our brand, our you, every, that you that everybody looks at and says, that's Miami, right? Automatically. As soon as you see that you 
taking a hit and we've got to address it. And and that's what happened. And it just, it, it came down to that. You know, that's refreshing to hear because I think so many circumstances that we see, especially with great institutions, great, you know, scholastic institutions that have, okay, we take pride in, you know, our school, like certainly Miami does, is when you can see that athletics is the front porch of your university. That That's where that you it was on the football field. It's not, man, the med school, the U. That's why it's so fam- – you know, it's 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 because of that. And I think when presidents, when board of trustees, board of residents, whatever they you know have at, at various universities, when they can realize that our biggest marketing campaign that we can ever do is our football team and they put money into that, resources into that, it, it's only going to help. You're only going to see an incline in uh, uh, applicants and acceptance and all these different things. The growth, it, it will certainly be right with the football team. So that's exciting to hear, you know, that Miami is really taking this. It's not just talk. They're, they're, they have the necessary things moving forward. Let's talk expectations. Again, January 18th. Where do you have Miami finishing next football season? I, I, I think with, with Tyler Van Dyke at quarterback and you look at Obviously, I know the rest of the division. Uh, they lost some. Good, there were some good quarterbacks who left. What happened with Pitt and and picking up Slovis? That's the mystery. That's the wild card. Is how good are they going to be with him? Um, you know, they're the defending champs. Uh, you got to respect what they do. You can't just um, sort of overlook them and say, "Oh, Miami's just going to win the division." That said, Miami won at Pitt last year with Tyler Van Dyke. So, I mean, I to me, I look at Miami and I say, without question. They're, they, they've got to win that division and get to the ACC title game, right? You already beat Pitt. You're getting a do-over now. You've won five out of your last six. I, I think expectations are get to the ACC title game, and, and we'll see where Clemson's at, right? I mean, we don't know how good Clemson is going to be next year. They've lost a lot of their coaching staff. Um, you know, players have exited. Um, I To me, obviously, Dabo is still the standard um, in the ACC, but, hell, this is what Miami's going for. They want to be playing in this game every year like like everybody thought they might be when they first came to the ACC so long ago. Well, we thought it would be Miami-Florida State every year, and, of course, that's that's never happened. Um, okay, it's funny because we talked with Alan Saunders talking about Pitt. After that episode, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, I'm picking Pitt to win the Coastal. Then we talked with you, and after this episode, I'm thinking – well, I should play the <laughs> I'm, I'm just, oh, I'm so glad I have six more That's months. Right. But I, I do think it's those two teams. And then, of course, you've got North Carolina, who, when they don't have expectations, they have a great year. And, and we're not really sure what's going to happen at the QB position. But right now, Manny, if you had to pick, which is asinine, we shouldn't make you do this, but we are. Right now, would you pick Miami to win the Coastal? Right now, I would, because I think they've got the best quarterback in the division. And I think, you know, last year, Kenny Pickett proved how much that was worth, right? I mean, he was the best quarterback in the division. And I, I think uh, that's what it's going to come down to. It, 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 the quarterback play, uh, that's what puts teams over the top in the ACC. Uh, we saw it with Clemson for so long. They, str- they finally struggle at the quarterback position, and you see what happened to them. I, I think Miami, without question, uh, should be in the ACC championship game. I'm picking them to go. Come on, let's do it, man. I'm so excited. I, I'm clearly on the cane train and, and thinking they're going to be top 10 in the preseason. I think there's that much excitement. I think there's that much there. It's going to be fun to see. But, Manny, thank you for your time. Really appreciate you. Uh, this was a really fun episode. Guys, thanks for having me on. And uh, hopefully at some point I get to see you guys down here in South Florida. You know, I know I, weather's, weather's nice down here, guys. You might want to sneak down here at some point. 
man, that was so much fun. Manny, just so much insight. I mean, if I don't know if there's somebody who is more on the ground, boots on the ground, every night, the, the crazy canes. Uh, I love those fans. They're so passionate. They're so nuts. They have this Twitter space. And somehow it's always a thousand plus people in this thing. I click on it, celebrities, guest speakers. I don't know how they get all these people, but I see Manny in it all the time. And I know he's probably exhausted because that thing goes to like 2 a.m. in the morning. I, I th- this is what I am envisioning. Folks down in Miami with a glass of bourbon, lighting up this big Cuban cigar and just jumping on Twitter spaces, figuring out the way ahead for the hurricanes. That, that's what I envision all of those guys doing in this Twitter space. But one of the things, KG, that I thought was very interesting uh, was the excitement, and especially from, I mean, a writer, I mean, someone who does this about Tyler Van Dyke and the fact that he thinks potential ACC player of the year. I'm not mad at it, but I, I would love to hear kind of your reaction now that it's just the two of us. We can say whatever we want here, KG. No, I don't think it's crazy at all. I think it's to what Manny was talking about is, is you know, staying healthy in the running back position and then staying healthy plus getting the production you need from the wide receivers. But in terms of TVD and his talent level, the idea of him being ACC player of the year, I, I don't think that's crazy. I don't think it's crazy. It, you've got Devin Leary to deal with. You've got Brennan Armstrong to deal with just at the quarterback position. As Manny was saying, and as most of these writers have said, we'll see what happens with Clemson at the quarterback position. I also think you may have to throw Will Shipley in there for a player of the year discussion, early, early player of the year discussion. So, And, of course, you got Jordan Addison, who's coming back. So that's a guy with his numbers, if his numbers can still be way up there. There's a lot of really good names to throw in there, but I don't think it's crazy at all. And I think this is one of those years maybe – where the Miami hype is most warranted over the last 10, 15 years. This, this may be that year just because all they're returning and Mario Cristobal, who is a game changer. He was Miami's guy, as Manny was saying. That was who they wanted. That, that's all they wanted was Mario Cristobal, and they got him. And now they're getting more of a commitment monetarily from the administration, which is huge. And it, it feels like all these things are coming together at, as much as we make fun of the Miami hype train, <laughs> I think it's probably going to be warranted. Uh, listen, listen, I make fun of it, but I'm one of the conductors on that thing. I'm fuel. I'm taking the coal and throwing <laughs> it into the to the engine there to get get this thing running. I, I, I'm going to be really fascinated to see who the ACC player preseason player of the year is going to be. I, I really, mm. I just don't know. I, I have to think it's going to be a quarterback, just because the league is going to be loaded at the position. And why not TVD? I mean, what he the way he finished, and if he has a decent spring game, I mean, the hype is going to be nuts. And so I can't wait. It's going to be so much fun to see. I think it was also really interesting, you know, just to to hear the the coaching philosophy coming in, the fact that you know they want to stay true 50-50. We'll see if they're able to do that. I think Tyler's so good that you know you have to throw the ball more. But as Manny said, maybe it's throw the ball early, get a big lead, and then just grind it out, yep. running the ball to end games. I think that's what really, really good teams are able to do. So it'll be really fun if Miami is able to do that. We had Joe Giglio on last week talking NC State. The amount of disrespect cards that will be played by Dave Doran at all if Devin Leary is not the ACC preseason player of the year and Tyler Van Dyke is, ooh, I'm, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for the saltiness <laughs> because – 
Devin Leary, you could argue, deserves that nod. Uh, you could also argue Sam Hartman right. deserves the nod. I was right. forgetting about Sam Hartman earlier when we were talking about different players that could be in the discussion. So if the Miami hype train just takes over and TVD jumps those guys, you're going to have some some older vets that feel quite disrespected, Mac. It'll be it'll be extremely interesting to, uh, to, to see where it goes. You know what also is really interesting, KG? Our producer, Richmond Weaver's podcast, Automatic, guys. It's so much fun to listen to. Automatic. Kelly was a recent guest on the podcast. He and Steffi Sorensen do such a great job breaking down the men's and women's game. It's just, KG, it's a ton of fun to listen to. And it's one of the few podcasts that do both sports. It is exactly right. So check out Automatic in Apple Podcasts as we are deep into basketball season. Um, and so it's a great listen there. And Rich Take on Sports, where he interviews a bunch of different sports figures and goes kind of long form with those people. Mac and I both have been on there. So Automatic, Rich Take on Sports, wherever you get your podcasts. Guys, go check it out. But that's it from us. Another great episode of Gramlick and Mac Lane brought to you by our friends over at Duke's Mayo. If you haven't already, go over to iTunes, follow our podcast, drop us a little five-star rating or write us a review. We would greatly appreciate that. But until next time, we'll see y'all.